0: home is a space where we can all engage about self-love, self-worth, relationships, trauma, and healing. I hope that you enjoy your stay and I am your host, Tando. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Girls Night In. On today's episode, I am having a conversation with Lindy, Weh, who is a sex wellness coach. I just want to disrupt some narratives surrounding sexual health because for most part of my childhood, I grew up without knowing the fundamentals of sexual health. And it wasn't until I was in university when a group of healthcare workers gave us a talk about sexual health. And even then, I was very overwhelmed because all I knew was boys are bad and I should stay away from them. And I came from a very conservative background and grew up in a Catholic school for girls. So these conversations were always taboo. And this is why I just want to spend the next couple of minutes just talking to Lindy about vital pieces of information that are essential to know as a young woman. Hello, Lindy, How are you? I'm awesome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited to have you. And I know we're in different time zones, so it was a little bit difficult just to find a time that suited both of us. But thank you so much for making time for me. And just before we go ahead with our conversation, can you just do a brief introduction on who you are and how did you come about choosing the part that you have chosen and what is the most fulfilling part about what you do
1: okay so um, I am a sexual wellness coach a certified sexual wellness coach um, as well as a content creator I guess the content creation kind of came first and as a result a lot of people I mean I spoke about sex quite often um i have a degree in international relations and you know in order to understand policies and the ways in which countries um engage with one another you have to do a lot of research and i just used that skill and started doing a lot of research on different sexual topics of interest that i felt um we weren't taught in school. So I'm really glad that she even mentioned the fact that, you know, you go to a private school, you go to an educated um, Catholic school, and there's so many different ways in which you get taught about sex. Um, and especially from a religious point of view, it's very um, uh, very structured in the sense of you learn about your menstruation you learn about your body but not the realities that we face in life so I um, through experience decided let me start speaking on the things that I learned because I'm obviously not alone so yeah. um, I went and i in the process of speaking about you know a lot of sex a lot of people started coming to me and that made me realize that they too don't have the means to access information that is pertinent to their lifestyles so um because a lot of people trusted me I thought okay how do I structure this um I'm not a I'm not a um, health practitioner so um because people already trust me how do I give myself a bit of credibility and that's when I went and did the coaching course um, that focuses on sexual wellness. So I think the most fulfilling thing about the job that I do is the knowledge that I gain for myself. But on top of that, I yeah. think, you know, the fact that when people even reach out to me um, is enough to show that, there's a lot a lack of information generally but the fact that they come back to me afterwards and after we've had our sessions and they say oh my gosh i can see the difference or i'm feeling a lot um good about a lot better about myself um my relationship with my husband is getting 10 times better and that is really fulfilling for me because i feel like people underestimate the importance of a healthy sexual lifestyle and how it impacts yeah. every aspect of your life from the work you do to the you know, engagements with human beings your interactions etc so it really if i can help just one person in my community and they potentially um, pass on that information even to their kids you know with going to change generations to come and that's really important to change stigmas around sexual conversations and to remove it as taboo topics but more conversations that should be had every day the
0: most important thing is how people are receiving the information that you give to them because you can do all this teaching but if people are not receiving it as it's meant to be received then it it governs your work futile and so there's mm. a need for these conversations to happen and on that note do you think that parents should be talking to their children about sex about sexual health and prevention because if you come from an African background especially they are keywords for literally everything from periods to sex to genitals why is it such a, a taboo topic in the African household
1: Well, I think, you know, traditionally, sex has always been for procreation. I mean, if you go according to the Bible, um, a man and woman comes together under the confines of a marriage and they make babies. And um, from generation to generation, that has been passed down. And traditionally, especially in the African home, that um, a lot of religion um, influences the ways in which uh, you engage with other human beings, but mostly how you raise your children. And um, because you are obviously very influenced by the, the ways in which your parents um, raise you, you continue to do the same with your kids. And it's just kind of been a repetitive cycle. However, I think um, in today's world, we are realizing that sex has been used and is continued to be used for um, as a means of pleasure. Um, and that means the, the narrative is kind of changing. Um, and as a result, people are having sex a lot younger because it's not as scary anymore there's a lot more access to it um, i think especially with social media um, and the access to information that is completely like thrown in your face all the time from music videos to conversations to you, click a link hoping that it's the Meghan and Harry interview, and all of a sudden it's porn. You know, yes. there's just, <laughs> you know, there's just, there's sex everywhere. And um, I think as a result, because we have to um, move with the times and um, ensure that we are protecting our kids, it's very important for parents, to, for the conversation to start at home. Because, especially because of the dangers of, inter, um, of the internet, there's so much information that is misinformation. And When kids have that information and sex is seen as such a taboo, they won't go and correct it because you're not supposed to be talking about sex. Um, Or you'll go and correct it with your friends who also don't have necessarily the correct information because where are they learning it? So the conversation really needs to start at home. Um, I think it's imperative that it starts at home. And someone asked me to do a YouTube video on when the right time is to have a conversation with your children and i asked my mama because i was just like i don't have children you know i wouldn't even really know yes um but she said the moment they start to be inquisitive the moment they start to say oh what's that oh mommy his yes. vagina looks different to mine and then you explain no he doesn't have a vagina you know um, and that's when mm. you start to and I think it's also very important to name the body parts biologically um, because yes. the moment you start to give them nicknames or keywords um, you, re- you run the, um, the risk of a child potentially not knowing how to express themselves should something be wrong so for example there, um i heard of a story where there was a little girl she was in um, nursery school and she i think it was just before grade one and um the gardener was molesting her but because she knew to call her vagina a flower she kept telling her father that the gardener plays with her flower And, you know, obviously, as a father, you just think, okay, yeah, that's what gardeners do, you know? But it turns out that she was consistently getting molested by this gardener, and no one knew, even though she was actually speaking up. So when children have the confidence and the courage to speak about things that could potentially be affecting them, but they don't necessarily have the right vocab to vocalize that, there's a problem. And um, it's really, and that's why I think it's really important that we are calling our body parts by what they are but also not sexualizing them because the moment you um sexualize a vagina yes it is used for the act of sex but it can also then be used as a weapon can also be used as um a, a form of um, exchange and that doesn't necessarily always have to be the case uh it's a power thing and i think um yes. uh, it's very unfortunate i think especially in the black community that women's bodies are sexualized from, the, from from a very young age we are seen as fast we're seen as easy just based on how um we mature and how our bodies develop um and um, as a result i think we are also at the um the height of the gender-based violence abuse um, all over the world, especially from a sexual point of view. So the moment we start to change those conversations and the narratives around, um, especially within the home, around sexual topics, the more likely we are to protect our children going forward.
0: Yes, and it's so imperative that these conversations start at home, because then you're more confident in talking to the people that you are close to about what is happening in your day-to-day life and whenever anything occurs that's out of you know the norm you're able to bring it up without being afraid of being shamed for it or without being questioned if is that exactly what happened and so just creating individuals that are very confident in talking about these conversations and being very open and vulnerable with these conversations and also I I was looking at my age mates. We are at an age where a lot of my age mates are engaging in sexual activities and most of them are starting families. Most of them are getting married. But when you ask questions around sex and around prevention, most of them don't even know where to start. And now you're bringing back home a baby, but your parents have this idea that you know nothing about um, procreation, you know nothing about that. So... Let's talk about how us not engaging in these conversations ultimately leads to cases of sexual assault. A lot of people don't know what consent is, what coercion is, and what stealthing is. And so why is it so hard for people to grasp these concepts? Because we are having conversations about them. But why
1: is one's no, not enough? Whew. Tough questions on early morning. Okay, so <laughs> a lot of people ask me, and I think um, they ask me in the South African context, why South African men um, rape so much? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, unfortunately, I don't have all the answers. And uh, it's a question that I consistently play in my mind and do a lot of reading around. But for me, I think the concept of no is just a power thing. It's like, and yeah. during apartheid, date, uh, the black man was emasculated and the only place that he felt he could exert power or show some sense of power was in the home. Um, and that, I think, have, has obviously led to, you know, gender roles where men are seen as more powerful than women, not only physically, but in mind, in um, in the workspace. And it just shows just, you know, the the differences in something small like you know how much women get paid but when it comes to the actual word no no one really likes to hear it no one really likes to be told Mm -hmm. you cannot or you should not you know kind of um, understanding where you fit into different spaces you want to try and exert that power in every way that you can Um, and I think as much as men are being told and we are having these conversations and we are saying, yes, this is what stealthing is. This is what rape constitutes. This is why this, they, even if she's not saying no, these are the different various ways that she can identify that she doesn't want it. Um, and let's not even limit it to women, men too, are also getting sexually abused. Um, it literally yeah. is just a power struggle. And I think the moment we start to, um, And it comes from self-esteem as well, uh, uh, insecurities. The moment we start to have conversations around sex that, and not only sex, I think, you know, so many different things are conversations with your child where you are um, showing them that they belong, showing them that it's okay to not fit into certain spaces because you are um, perfect where you are. And, you know, words of affirmation are so important because it definitely builds on your confidence and it allows you, to hear the word no it allows you to say okay when i've been told i can't do this i shouldn't do this it's not a reflection of my um of my lacking it is just that i'm in a different space where i um shouldn't shouldn't necessarily be and it should come from a place of learning you know every single time you hear no it should come from a place of learning as opposed to a power thing when you get told no by your teacher at school, you resent that teacher because how dare you tell me I can't. As a child, when you get told no, you cannot put your hand in the cookie jar and when you do, you get punished. Um, you start to want to put your hand in the cookie jar because it would, I think we are naturally rebels at heart. So, unfortunately, yeah. I don't see a lot of the change happening within our generation. How? Our- If we start to raise our children with um, strong, confident uh, words of affirmation where they will feel they don't necessarily have to exert their power in any other space that they have been told they shouldn't, um, it won't be an issue. And I know this sounds like such a far-fetched way of trying to deal with the issue, but self-esteem really, really is a big factor as to why men and women feel that when they hear no, they have to do yes. Um, and I, I wish I had a different way because you know the conversations aren't helping. Women marching and going to the government and outcries on social media is really not helping. And unfortunately, we have to now start to be realistic and think, okay, what's actually going to be the real change? sorry people moving stuff around here what's actually going to be the real change it's going to come from the home it's going to come from how you raise your children how you raise your sons how you also raise your, um, your daughters to feel confident enough to come forward should they be in a position where they feel uncomfortable and then also rehabilitation rehabilitation is so important and actually um justice, you know, for those who do come forward, if there were real consequences for people who don't listen to the word no, people wouldn't feel so um, entitled to show you that, hey, if this person can get away with it, then so can I. So I think it's, it's mm-hmm. imperative that our our institutions of justice come forward and actually show that this is wrong because we know it's wrong everyone sees it's wrong people are being taught even little boys who are maybe molesting or sexually harassing little girls will do it in secret so you know it's wrong but what is the consequence of your action thereafter and not just let's throw them all in jail because again what rehabilitation are you doing from a wellness point of view, psychologically, physically, mentally, emotionally? Because all of those things impact how you um, see power power roles and how you will then be reintegrated into society as a different person. So, yeah, yeah, I think those are the only real solutions that I can um, think of at the moment. But I can't actually give you a pinpointed reason as to why it's so hard right now for men to and for women to hear no and still want to do the opposite.
0: My my biggest cry is that we're not disrupting this narrative that if a boy is treating you a certain way, it shows that they love yes. you or they like you, especially with young boys. And it's also the idea that if someone is ill-treating you, they're just trying to discipline you because it's done out of love. And so just starting from when they're young to say no as a complete sentence and so i think just raising boys and girls to understand these concepts is very key
1: so it's gonna take a while but i think conversations like this podcasts like this will start to introduce different views different thoughts different ways of living even in those who are stuck in their ways and they may tend to be considered so it's still better than nothing And whilst we're on that
0: topic of unplanned pregnancies, I've noticed a lot of my age mates don't know the types of contraceptives that are available, especially men. And I think when you are at a point where you're engaging with someone sexually, you should learn about contraceptives that are available for both parties. So what are your top three contraceptives?
1: Okay. Um, In the confines of a relationship, I would say... um, family planning is a big thing that should consistently run through all kinds of sexual engagement so family planning that don't know is regulating your period when and seeing when you're ovulating seeing when you're not if we're being realistic a lot of people do like to have sex um without condoms and if you are in a relationship and it's long term and you may not necessarily want to have children but you still want to enjoy your fully your pleasure to its full potential um family planning can be a good idea it's not 100 percent, so i would say family planning yeah. on top of any other contraceptive um should be done anyway and this goes for the women as well because when you are able to regulate your periods you're also able to identify um things that could be wrong with your body um things when you could potentially be getting sick versus when you're just ovulating etc so you need you need to be able to identify um different things around um your menstruation um because that will assist in um understanding your body more and therefore also having a lot safer sex um on top of that i would i don't know i think with contraceptives it's a bit tricky because i've done a whole episode on the different types of contraceptives and i feel like the moment you are dependent on on something to be inserted injected ingested um you obviously run the risk of potentially rejecting it your body potentially rejecting it and um when i was on the injection i had really really bad water retention and i just thought hey i'm putting on some weight i'm looking sexy i'm looking good and it started causing swelling it started you know it started um, affecting my health um and i had absolutely no idea yeah. that it was the contraceptive until i ended up in hospital um for something completely outside of it mm-hmm. but when the doctor started saying why do you have so much water in your body i was just like i don't even know that surely that's a good thing that means i'm healthy and he was like no yeah. it's causing this it's causing and that i was just like okay people don't even know that weight is a potential factor so i find contraceptives very tricky obviously condoms 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 condoms. i can't reiterate it enough um and one thing that i've also realized when it comes to condoms is that people don't know that they potentially have an um uh, an allergy to latex so i've got an allergy to latex and um i struggled for a very long time finding condoms that were that were were um, latex free until eventually because I have an open conversation with my mom um, she was able to find that sex stores sell a certain brand that um, is made of good skin but now we have you know things like yeah. skin condoms which have realized that there's a gap and um, they need to fill that gap and now they have non-latex condoms um, still with the pleasure of being able to you know feel everything so I think one yes family planning two condoms maybe I should swap them around condoms then family planning <laughs> um, and then the last one I would say would be the pill and the reason I choose the pill is because um, it's it's known to regulate your hormones um, I was on the pill from the age of 14 and not because I was sexually active um, but for you know just the regulation of my periods to assist with period pains to um, assist with the migraines that I was also getting um, and as a result of my periods and um this really did assist it really did help me um from a from a contraceptive point of view in terms of what it's actually used for i I don't know if it worked or not because i still engaged in sex using condoms so um but it has been known that people can still get pregnant on any contraceptive to be quite honest so um i would say the pill um And then the last, I know you didn't ask me for four, but I want to mention um, copper balls, because this is something that can be inserted into you. And um, copper is, um, it neutralizes your pH. I don't want to use the wrong words right now, (laughs) but it is in my doesn't it make um yes, the environment acidic so like going can penetrate cannot... and then you yeah. it's it, um is, you're less likely yeah. to get pregnant and I think because it's copper balls or yeah. copper IUDs things are a little um safer it's also just below the um entrance of your cervix so it's not necessarily like the um what's the one that they put in your arm the chip you know, the the, the, patch, the patch I think is okay yeah. because it's not really invasive. It's on your skin. You know, I the moment you could potentially okay. be losing things in your fallopian tubes or, you know, losing it because you've lost weight in your arm. Now they have to dig it out. There's just so many other... Um, consequences to using certain con- contraceptives that i don't necessarily agree on yeah. you shouldn't be harming your body to that extent just to ensure that you are not having yeah. children so um i think yeah obviously have sex with a trusted partner uh, the moment it's someone who um is irregular or someone that you have just met um because we're not going to shame people who have sex casually um you just you need to use condoms you need to use condoms and be very aware of of where you are at on your period um and yeah that could potentially help
0: that i think people should be aware of the fact that aside of um condoms contraceptives don't necessarily Mm. protect you from stds and they're not even 100 percent in preventing pregnancies so with that are you pro-life or are you pro-choice and how do you think religion affects the choices we make in relation to this (laughs)
1: so um this is the first time that I'm actually speaking about it but um I had an abortion and I was 20 years old yeah um at the time I was a leader at church or I had just finished being a leader at church and I just lost my virginity and I was just like oh my gosh Like I, the shame, I couldn't. and because I was yeah. so pro-life at the time, I was just like, we don't believe in abortions, that's not what we're supposed to do. I was like, that is not going to happen for me. I'm not doing that. Um, until my partner, yeah and he we had broken up at the time, said no, that wasn't his child. So now I thought of the shame of raising a child in one uh, non not a, the most comfortable financial um, environment. two, alone um, and not to say that my family wouldn't have supported but you know I think just having a partner Mm. that support is really important I don't think single mothers speak enough about you know just to two salary households, one being able to sleep whilst the other takes care of the baby, things like that. Um, And that really, really does assist in how you raise your child and the struggles that they may potentially experience as a result of. Um, So the shame that was attached to, you know, just the kind of life that I wanted my child to have far outweighed what I thought I was told at church, Um, which also kind of made me feel like, you know, religion um, is a way to kind of guide you in the institution of the church is the way to stifle you. Mm. Um, the moment you are um, mm. seen as pregnant um, and you don't have even a partner, you're shunned. And I think that comes a lot from the religious mm. view of, you know, do not fornicate mm. prior to being married which is, you know, um, it's not allowed. Mm. So unfortunately, religion as, as much as I do believe that it is a good way to kind of guide in terms of, you know, the basis of the Ten Commandments and treating how you treat your neighbor, how you, you know, engage. But when it comes to issues socially um, and in particular abortion, I feel like it, um, it's, mm-hmm. it shames you and it shames you into so in so many different ways you know shame like oh my gosh i can't believe you've had an abortion and shame Mm -hmm. oh my gosh i can't believe you had a child Mm -hmm. you know out of wedlock so the moment and that's within the confines of religion so um i am i am pro-life but i'm also pro-choice and i guess in saying that i'm pro-choice you have life to. so overall I guess I would then say I'm pro-choice um, religion definitely um, adds a stigma and negative connotations to either of the option um, but um, I do believe that like again with conversations like this you'll start to give people more confidence in understanding why their choices yeah. for them and for the better the betterment of their child or potential child is uh, is up to you in all honesty it's up to you the church isn't going to be the one mm. to help you raise that child um they're not going to be the ones to wake up at night when you have to study and 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 like so i think a lot of people again like you like i said um confidence uh security and who you are and the choices you make come from being how you're raised at home, and the moment you feel confident enough to know this is not for me, this decision is not for me, this isn't going to work, and you're able to also get seek guidance and counselling and you know um, help to make those decisions without the shame and stigma attached, then you'll be able to make more informed decisions. Because a lot of the time, especially with abortion, you think that there's no op- there's no other option. But because no one has given you the realities of what your options could be. And where do you get that information? And again, that is why I started my YouTube channel, because I realized that I was experiencing so much in life that I was not taught in my private school education. What's the point of spending all that money if I still have so much that I don't know when it comes to how I should live life? And that's where. Channel comes in where I feel like, you know, when you start to get access to this information and realize that there's people out there like me who have been through so many different things but have come out, you know, on top and have and feel like I feel Mm -hmm. like I have a relatively healthy viewpoint on life, then you're more likely to also make better informed decisions.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I really appreciate. You and so many other women that are able to share these experiences with us, because it's just so comforting to know that a lot of the people who are also experiencing the same things yes. are going through it alone. As much as you might think that no one has ever gone through what you're going through, there are so many people that are going through the same thing. And that's why I started this platform to show people that you're not alone. As much as I don't know you, you're probably miles away from where I am, but we are experiencing the same thing. And so it's important for us to create the safe space for us to be able to speak about these things. And my first episode was about releasing toxic shame. Mm. And so this would fall under that where you Mm. say you have a child out of wedlock, or you have an abortion either or you were shamed for it and so we have to understand how to be there for other people but most importantly how to be there for ourselves and I was I was Catholic for a good part of my life and some teachings from the classes I went to were based on the idea that contraceptives oh. are a way of going <laughs> against God's will so by virtue of that alone I was forced into being pro-life but then I've since grown into understanding the yes. importance of being ready so there's no youth in bringing a child into what? this world that you cannot take care of and often we yeah. burden other people like our parents when we're not ready for the child and now they have to take care of an extra child and so I I think that a lot of the times Mm. it lies with you and where you are at that point in time so I could be pro-life I could be pro-choice depending on where I am in that period of my life and so Mm. so it's either you use contraceptives or you abstain or whatever decision that you make just be comfortable with the yes like the way forward and that comes to being sure of yourself yes definitely and also Mm -hmm. having a very good support structure and people that you can talk to even if it's just one person that you can talk to and reach out to and get guidance from that person and i think i just wanted to be that person who's the voice of so many other people and say you can just listen to this podcast and whatever you get from it i hope that it finds you in the time that it needs to find you um a quick one um, that I had from the audience. Someone was asking, What is your take on using herbs and steaming for your vagina? <laughs> like, what's the real trick okay, is so what it does I have for you? I've tried
1: two different yoni herbs. Um, I don't know if I've tried it long enough to actually see a difference. The one I was using for, you yep. know, um, Well, I don't think I want to say I was using it for wetness because I'm already like a waterfall. But I I was using it to see if there were any um, identifiable changes in how wet I was and, um, how much tighter my vagina felt, which apparently is one of the, uh, few of the benefits. The other time I used it to, um, yeah. out toxins from my body so that, um, it could help with my skin. And on both occasions, I don't think that, um, okay. either of them actually did what they said they would do. And since, I mean, I've done, a uh, you uh, know, I mean, some content around it on Instagram and, you know, using Yoni steaming and heard yeah. that you shouldn't use plastic and blah, 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 blah. But I'm not really entirely sure that steaming with anything is good for you. Um, I I really believe yeah. that the same way we shouldn't use certain things to like intimate washes to, Wash our vagina, and we should really just be yeah. using soap. I believe that if you are going to steam, steam with yeah. just plain water. Um, and the reason, the benefits yeah. of steaming, even um, on the on your skin, um, not from an internal point of view, just you know, when you are um, hovering over a bucket and you know, steaming for your face, it opens up your pores, it cleanses, and I think you can get the exact same benefits when you are doing um, it from uh, a yoni perspective. However, um, I also do believe that your vagina naturally cleans itself. You know, it naturally does what it's supposed to do, provided you are eating healthy and drinking a lot of water. So you shouldn't even necessarily need to go the route of steaming. So when it comes to steaming, look at the reasons why you are doing it. If it is to tighten your vagina, do Kegel exercises use Kegel balls um, because that's something that you can also remove um, and it's not something that could potentially affect the acidity or the pH balance of the environment. Um, But it helps the muscle. And because it helps the muscle, it will also help with your pleasure when you have sex. But on top of that, it will also help when you're older to hold your pee. You know, <laughs> a lot of people um, take that for granted. And both men yes. and women can do kegel exercises. It's not just confined to the woman. So, um, I think natural ways of, you know, like they say, exercise, eat healthy, drink water. Same thing for your vagina. Exercise it. Drink um water and eat healthily, and you will get good results. If there is something particularly that is affecting you, like you may feel like you have a fishy smell, women have natural odor and that is perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. But if it smells a little out of the ordinary, then it could potentially one be your diet or your water consumption. And even if those things are implemented and you're still going through something, I would suggest seeing a gynecologist because it could potentially mean that you are sick. Um, but other than that if it's natural and it's an everyday thing just I'm not I'm not an advocate for steaming with yoni herbs um, but I do believe Mm. in the benefits of steaming overall
0: what you do for your body is what
1: 100% 100%. um, ultimately help
0: for the health of your reproductive health so the last one from the audience is (laughs) how do you grow your
1: own (laughs) okay so (laughs) um
0: you know what
1: i think every time i get asked this i say i'm the wrong person to um answer this question because my only fans doesn't grow it literally has i've gotten a certain amount of followers and it has stuck there they they it fluctuates i mean between three or five um people at a time um because people are fickle what they like today they won't like tomorrow what they want to pay for yeah. today they won't pay for tomorrow so key things yeah. um have a niche yeah. have something that makes you authentic that makes you stand out from other um from other OnlyFans content creators, a lot of girls are just, you know, playing with toys and putting it on the internet and putting it on Twitter and Instagram for you to see snippets and then saying, hey, come see the full video. Um, I love to dance. I I think that's when Mm -hmm. I feel my most sexy, Mm -hmm. when I'm dancing and when I'm clean, when I've just showered. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my content is around that, when I'm getting ready, when I'm, you know, just like being me. And I think people feel like because I'm kind of like the girl next door it feels like they're watching their girlfriend getting ready um it's it's appealing to them I obviously do step it up and I'm not going to say that I'm just vanilla um and sometimes I take it a little bit more you know further and I'm a bit more risque and I might use toys but I don't really like toys like I really don't like toys or I could explain that if I could say that in another language I would Um, (laughs) because I just feel like (laughs) phallic objects aren't the real thing You know, I'm a very intimate, like to feel body to body type person. I feed off energy. Um, but what I've realized is that when someone's watching me, um, I perform better. So if I need to record content, I'll have someone in the room watching me hang with myself. So, um, I would say have a niche, um, be consistent, um, even if you say you're only going to post twice a week make sure that you post twice a week it's not as frequent as people would like to see but think of it like social media like instagram how often do you post on instagram you want to post on your stories almost every single day so make it a way of life make it something that's comfortable that will also yeah things fresh because things will be happening as they go so you'll go to a new restaurant and you'll see a nice bathroom and there'll be lots and lots of space and you'll suddenly feel hey this would make for a great you know um place to take a picture of my ass and I'm feeling a bit sexy and I'm having some wine and you know, make the content authentic and that will come from having that niche. And that will therefore obviously make sure that you um, are consistent in the content that you put out there. Last thing um, I would say is get some assistance. Like, there's no shame in having a manager. There's absolutely no shame in having a manager. And um, there's a lot of risky people out there. So do your research. But when it comes to having a manager, um, for example, I have one. Okay, I don't know if I have one right now because he kind of got the ball rolling for me because yeah. I was just too busy. I mean, I I post the content that I want to post on my yeah. actual OnlyFans and he has no access to that. But I'll send him the pictures that I was already willing to put out on social yeah. media anyway, and then he'll Time and he'll look at numbers. He's also a man, so it's from a different perspective. Um, and he just made my life easier. I just I got ten thousand yes. subscribers. I'm mean, ten thousand followers on Twitter in like three months just from him helping me and that was from my authentic content Mm. not nothing um too risque still just being you know more suggestive than anything else and as a result i also got um some subscribers and the people i believe that have subscribed to me are people who have Mm. maybe like paid a six-month subscription and they just want to be there consistently so they're loyal peeps they're people who know what the content is, know what I'm not willing to do, which is have sex on social media only fans and they're okay with that. So you'll get your loyal peeps um, and yeah, just stick it out. So niche, consistency, get some assistance. That applies to
0: basically anything, whatever you're trying to be consistent with, whether it's posting on YouTube, anything. So discipline, consistency, management and getting your niche. So I really had the best time talking to you and i'm just really glad we finally got the time to have this conversation and lastly how can people
1: reach you if lindy underscore r um only fans included uh however when it comes to consulting consulting for um my coaching you can check out my website which is lindyr.org.za or you can email me at lindyway at lindyr.org.za
0: So that's it for this episode, guys. Please do leave me a review and a rating as it helps me to see what kind of content you guys are into. It's all love from me. Till next time, guys.